Okay, if I can grab your attention again. Uh, as Gus said at the beginning, we're uh, today kind of ending a series we've been in over a uh, give one week, over the last kind of five weeks, uh, looking at the whole area of Sabbath, rhythms of rest, uh, where we're discovering this ancient practice that God ordained that's there to do us good. And maybe you're around us and you're thinking, well, man, I've just come in to try and discover who this God is that you say that you're giving your life to, this God who you say is loving. Well, for me, my hope is that as we kind of end this series, you'll get to see something about the kind of God I'm talking about, a God who reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is a God of love, who longs for us to live lives that are covered by his love, saturated in his love, and therefore wants us to have lives that are filled with goodness and flourishing. And maybe sometimes you think, no, no, I thought you guys are the ones that are continuously talking about this God who's telling me what not to do. No, no, maybe you've heard it wrong. Maybe actually it's about a God who's providing a different way to live that would do you good and allow you and I to live in just the wonder of his love. And so if you're on a, a journey just discovering who God is, my hope is you'll begin to see him more. Uh, this morning. But if you're someone who'd say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, my hope is today will allow you to understand something more of what it means to live out uh, the wonder of following Jesus and revealing who Jesus is in the worlds that we find ourselves in. Uh, but as we've done each week, I just want us to remind us of kind of like a definition of what we're talking about in terms of Sabbath. Uh, A.J. Swoboda, in his excellent book, which we've kept recommending, highly recommend it, even at this point at the very end, Subversive Sabbath, says this, Sabbath is celebration, a day of rejoicing over the goodness of what has been made and who made it. That God ordains this day to be different to all the other days, and that on that day, it's not about what you don't do, it's rather about what you do do. It's about a day where you get to celebrate. Celebrate in the whole of creation. Everything. That's pretty awesome. And then be reminded as you celebrate in that, the one who is above and in all. The God who created everything. That's what we're invited into. And so over the previous weeks, we've kind of had this moment of saying, well, what does that therefore look like? And just to recap, maybe you've not been around the last five weeks, or for some of us who are thinking, yeah, I knew we were doing this, but I'm not quite sure what we've done. Well, let's just quickly recap. We started off with some foundations. We said there were a couple of foundations, firstly, in terms of this invitation to a day each week to be a day of rest, a day that's different to all the other days. An invitation that God gives every single one of us to take a day, it doesn't matter which day, but a day that's different to the others that allows us that moment to celebrate in creation and the one who creates it. Because God ordains it, invites us into that day in order that it would cause us to know his goodness and to flourish. That's the point of it. A day to cause the rest of your life be characterized by his goodness and his flourishing. But not only is it an invitation, we also said that this foundation is built on the one who is the king, the boss, the lord of it, Jesus who describes himself as the Lord, which in other words, he's the source of what Sabbath truly looks like. But he's also the shaper of it. He allows us to see how this day can be 
characterized in order that it would do us good and cause us to flourish. But not only do us good and cause us to flourish, but do the whole of creation good and cause it to flourish. And so if that one kind of whets your appetite and think, man, what does that look like? Well, go and listen to the talks. I'm not going to do a whole recap. Um, you can listen to all of them online. And then from that point of saying, well, these are our foundation blocks of the invitation and the source and shaper. We then said, well, what does it look like then to practice Sabbath? What are we going to do in this day? It isn't that we're now providing a new set of rules that kind of become a weight for us. But rather say, actually, if we're receiving the invitation, if we're understanding that Jesus and following him wants to be the source of our rest and our celebration of God and creation and enjoyment of it and shaping it, that then we want to look and say, well, well, how do we work this out then? And we said, well, there's three different building blocks. There's firstly, that it's about God. It's a day where we just say, man, rather than all the other pressures that can be there, we can clear those away and say, in this moment, we, remember, we remind ourselves that we don't keep the world spinning. He does. Therefore, we can enjoy our relationship for a prolonged time with him taking time to worship him, read scripture, enjoy relationship, glorify him, as Paul says, in everything we're doing. Which is why when Gus said in the notices, you know, this is a continuation of our worship. Well, it is, because everything we do is a worship to him. But it's also that moment of saying, but it allows us to be about God. So in these moments, and maybe your Sabbath is this day, it means a moment where you get to gather with others and celebrate in who God is. But we also said this practice is not only about God, it's about us. It's there to do us good. It's there to cause us to thrive. And therefore the invitation isn't to just sit at your home doing nothing, it's actually to do things that are going to bring you life and do you good. Because that's Jesus' desire. And then the last building block, which is what we're going to look at today, is this day that we practice is also about others. Now, in terms of the others, then, this is really important because there's a danger when we begin to talk about this that we live within a culture where the I is the prize. Who I am is what ultimately matters. And therefore, if I'm okay, then it's okay. And the danger in what we're looking at here is that we begin to think that, all right, what's got to be here is there's this sacred day. The year is about God, but ultimately it's about me. And me knowing goodness and flourishing. Now that's only ever half of the story, as we're going to go and see in the moment. But we need to understand it's never just about us as an individual. You see, God always blesses the individual in order that they would be a blessing. It's one of the big stories of the whole of the Bible. See, at the very beginning from Genesis, that God calls this guy called Abraham and says, right, from you, I'm going to cause you to be a blessing for all people. Why? Because it's God's way. You look through the whole of the story of the Bible, it's that God blesses people in order that they would then share that blessing with others. It's the same in terms of this rhythm of Sabbath. Because the reality is this, we live in a world and a society that needs it. What's this world we live in like? Well, I'd say the world in itself, I think it's characterized by my granddad says. Now, my granddad uh, died just over a month ago and I had the utter privilege of uh, ministering at his funeral. But in it, 
I remember talking to my grandma. My grandma died at the age of 92. As he said, that is a way big innings. And I remember sitting with him once, and Lucy was there as well, and we asked him, we said, look, in your lifetime, you've seen phenomenal change. My granddad, when he was brought up in school, he was told the moon was literally a reflection of the sun. And within his lifetime, he saw a man walk on the moon. And so I said to him, I said, like, what is it you notice now that's different to what you've seen? And he said this, he said, well, what I've noticed is this. When I was young, people had nothing, but they were happy. What I notice now is that people have everything and are unhappy. And as he said that, I thought, wow, that's wisdom. Wisdom that comes through age. You know, for those of us who are younger, I still characterize myself as younger, even though I've got very gray hair. People always think, what age are you? Are you you like 50 or 60? No, no, I'm 45. I'm there. Um, Some of you think, that's really old. It doesn't feel as old. Um, But in it, that wisdom that we can get from those that have lived is so important and hear what they say. You see, at the moment, we're living in a world that would actually say, no, no, things are getting better. And you can get anything at any time. It's a 24-7 culture. You're continuously able to connect all the time. Man, and work? Work as much as you want to. No limits. Work at home. Work in the evening. Work in the day. Work in the morning. Work through the night. Work every day. And we'll reward you by keep giving you more and more money. In actual fact, the more you work, the more money we'll give you. Now, for some of us are thinking, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, I used to have to work like three or four jobs to make it. Yeah, that's that's what we've got to. And, and the deal is that this thing that can often feel like this paper smile that's there that's saying, hey, isn't everything amazing? I think my granddad's kind of wisdom on this kind of picks away and says, hey, I don't think it's as good as we think it is. See, reality is, if we were just quickly to look at different news articles that are there, we'd start to see that actually there's a growing sense of unease in terms of how life isn't quite working. There's a growing sense as you speak to people of, I just need to stop, but I can't seem to find the way and how's to stop that you can look and see that medical research is showing that anxiety levels are continuously increasing at the moment. And not only is that in respect to adults, it's now in terms of children and young people. And in actual fact, the children and young people anxiety level is, is increasing exponentially at the moment. You can then find studies that have been done in terms of our work practices that actually our longer hours of working are harming our health. And you see, it's into that society where suddenly people start to say, hey, this doesn't seem to be okay, and it seems to be not only damaging us, but the whole of the planet. And there gets moments like a 15-year-old who then stands up and says, hey, I don't think how things are going is okay. And people react in different ways about it. And so some people say, oh, no, no, you're you're making it up. It's going to be okay in the end. Sure, it's always going to get better. And others start to say, maybe she's got a point. Maybe the planet isn't okay. 
And at this moment where there's this all going on, it isn't that as believers we think, hey, don't worry, we've got a Sabbath. It does us good. And it causes us to thrive. Maybe it's in this moment that we as believers are meant to step in to the public square and say, maybe there's a different rhythm that we can live with. Maybe there's this ancient practice that God ordains from the very beginning of creation, whatever you think about that, that is actually there to do all of us good and cause us to thrive. And maybe as you begin to taste and see that, it will cause you to taste and see how good this God is and how he wants to shape your life. See, I wonder if Sabbath is the moment for us in this generation, made up of varying ages, to step forward and do what Jesus always calls us to be, which is salt and light. See, Jesus doesn't kind of take us out of the world. He puts us into the world and says, now with how I characterize your life, I now want that to permeate all of creation. You're to be salt, the flavor givers of the wonder of the life that I offer to the world around. You're to be light, to shed light that brings color to those around, that exposes darkness, yes, but reveals a better way. And I wonder if this practice of Sabbath is part of that story, part of that story, that invitation that Jesus gives and says, hey, this way of living that's for you in following me isn't just for your good, but it's for everyone's good. Therefore, Sabbath is about others. And to help us see that, I want to just quickly look back into this passage of Scripture that we've been looking at each week, Matthew chapter 12, this story where Jesus encounters some religious leaders who kind of lost sight of what Sabbath was about and how we see that Jesus used this opportunity to show that Sabbath is about others. So Matthew 12, verses 1 to 8 says this, at the time Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath, His disciples were hungry and began to pick some ears of corn and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Right, if this is your first time around us, you've got to understand we've been in this passage for four other weeks. Therefore, for me now to comment on everything that's going on here is going to be boring for a lot of people because they're like, why do you keep saying the same thing? And so for you, I'm going to encourage you, go online and listen to all the richness of what is going on here. But for today, what we're looking at is Sabbath is about others. See, what Jesus does in this is I think he reveals a few things. Firstly is this. He reveals that the practice of Sabbath that his friends, his disciples were doing was a moment of witness. See, in this moment of witness, what happens is that Jesus, if we can go to the next slide, Jesus gets to this point where he's confronted by the Pharisees, and we can rush to that, 
But the reality of why they were confronting him is he, they saw the actions of Jesus' disciples and friends. So what they were doing is they were eating on the Sabbath. They were literally getting some corn, rubbing it together, and eating it. Now, because there are rules to say, hey, you're not going to work, they were kind of seen and said, oh, no, no, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Losing the whole point. This was a day that was for their good, for them to thrive. So Jesus doesn't immediately smack around the face and say, what are you doing? Brother allows this moment to speak to them. This is a witness moment. No word has been spoken. And yet the Pharisees see it. Now in it, they react to it, which is what always happens when there's a witness. But all the disciples did is they lived in the good of what they knew. They were with Jesus. They were hungry. This was a good day. A day of flourishing, doing them good in relationship with Jesus. They're hungry. They eat. It brings them life. I wonder whether sometimes we spend too much time speaking and telling people things of how they should live rather than showing them. I wonder if in a world that's 24-7, in a world where people feel like it just isn't quite working, a bunch of believers who say, hey, if you think you're busy, you've got nothing compared to me. Look how busy I can be. I wonder if that isn't how we're going to be a witness here. I also think that if we're going to be those who say, hey, this isn't working, there's a problem here. Look at the anxiety levels. Look at how the work level of what you're doing is damaging your health. If people look at us and say, but there's no difference there. You're exactly the same. There's no integrity. I wonder if the witness isn't about continuously amplifying what we're saying, but rather being what we're saying. I wonder if one of the most provocative things that we can do within the worlds that we live in is to set aside a day each week to say this day is a day of rest where I rest from technology, where I rest from work, where I rest from performance. And I enjoy my relationship with God, enjoy my relationship with others, and do things that provide me life and do me good. I wonder if that's provocative. I wonder if that's part of what it looks like for you and I to be witnesses in this moment. But it isn't just that Jesus is saying that we, this is a, through our acting of Sabbath towards others, it becomes a witness. It's also one that's about sharing. Last week, we had the great celebration of 20 years of Oasis Church being in existence. And for some of you, you may have come around and think, why do you celebrate a birthday of a church? Well, because I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing what God has done through a bunch of misfits who land in this amazing city and then literally just say, all we can do is just keep ourselves pretty humble and make much of who Jesus is and invite others to do the same. And then God adds others around. And you think, man, this surely is worth celebrating. So we take a weekend out and we say, let's celebrate what God has done in amongst us for 20 years. Now, one of the things that's been part of our story is that we used to have donuts every week. Like, it's what we were known for. To be honest, we were known more for donuts than Jesus. And that, that isn't something to be celebrated. It became nearly like a cult of donuts. And so at some point we said, let's just leave the donuts. But last Sunday, we had the donuts back. 
And there was much rejoicing. I knew that for some, it was suddenly, finally, I have breakfast again. You know, I know the people who used to eat three to five donuts every Sunday. <laughs> the quantity we bought were far more than the number in the room. But the thing is, though donuts were good, but they weren't great. You see, great donuts are Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> the reality is, a Krispy Kreme is designed to do that. It's designed to ensure that everyone thinks, I want one. And suddenly you think, I'll pay whatever you want for a donut. Like you can get donuts that cost nothing to make, really. And yet here, you're like, I'll remortgage my house for donuts. See, when you've got something that's good, you want to share it, don't you? It's good to share. Yeah, I haven't forgotten the guys about this. Pass them back, please. I, I'm serving everyone. Can we, can I, Lawrence, can I possibly give you those to give out? Thank you. Here's the deal. When something's good, Lawrence is now going to eat all of them. When something's good, you want to share it. The deal is, when we've got something like Sabbath, which is a re- weekly rhythm, it isn't something we want to hold to ourselves, but rather something we want to share with others. See, Jesus, when he confronts the Pharisees about how they were seeing this day, wasn't out of, you've got this wrong, go away. But rather was, come and see what this is about, because it's there to do you good. And just as his disciples saw it as something that was to be enjoyed rather than rules that were to weigh them down, Jesus wants to share that with these Pharisees and say, come on, come and be part of this. And that's the same for us. Like when you're doing things in your day, this Sabbath day that do you good, it's that you get to invite others in and say, hey, come and enjoy this with me. Now, if it's something they're not going to enjoy, it's probably not something to invite them in on. But there's some things that are always good to enjoy. I could think back, kind of, about a month ago, my family and I were, like, having our Sabbath day, and it was an utter disaster. Got to be honest, it was an utter disaster. Like, everything just kept not going quite right, and we were trying to do things and trying to have some time together, and I got up early and made breakfast, and the breakfast I made was appalling, I'd made pancakes, and they were really bad. And everyone was kind of eating them, going, this is really nice, (laughs) question mark. I was like, why are you not enjoying this? I got up really early to make these pancakes. This is Sabbath for your good and flourishing. (laughs) Flourish and enjoy them. No one was enjoying it. And then we kind of set off and got lost on a walk, and we're like, man, this is good. And as we're there, kind of in our lost status, uh, don't ever go on a walk with the Hearst family if you're asking us to map read. That's all I'm going to say. We are not very good. You know, when it's, you're still using your sat-nav, thinking, I don't know where we are. And so we are lost in the countryside, thinking this is a day for our flourishing and our good. Jesus, we thank you for your creation. I don't thank you for those you've created. Um, <laughs> and so it's there. And as we're there, we get this text shows you how far we go into the country. And we get a text 
because there always needs to be a phone signal. And it's from some really good friends who just say, I don't know what you're up to today, but we're just thinking of you and wondered if you want to come around tonight. So I was like, well, you know, we can, but we're not in a great place, to be honest. We're not going to be like party people. Kind of basically spent a day just slightly missing each other. And they said, no, we would love to have you around. They didn't say, because we're having a great day. They said, we just want you to have you around and we want to eat together. And so as a family, we kind of arrive in a state of slightly kind of, oh, has this really done us good? And this other family who've had like this great day, they've, they've aced it. <laughs> what do they do? They say, just sit down, let's eat. And we spend the evening just eating together. Something that was doing them good did us good. And we left that day, and all five of us, I've got three kids and a wife, all five of us are in the car on the way home and just say, wasn't this a good day? Why? Because these guys had grasped something. The Sabbath is about others, not just ourselves. And they were enjoying something, and they wanted us to enjoy what they were enjoying. And the thing is, with us coming in, it caused us not only to enjoy what they were enjoying, it brought us life and goodness. We just be those who look out and say, hey, come in and share what's good and life-giving here. There's a guy I know, he's not a follower of Jesus, and he just works all the time. And every time I see him, I'm like, this will only work for so long. Like, I really care about you. And you need to come and you need to share in a day where you stop. And where he's moved is six weeks ago, he was like, ain't ever going to happen. To now, I think I'm starting to see why. And so what I do is I just bring that sense of encouragement. Come and share in something that I know will do you good. Let's be those who share. But it isn't just about sharing. I say, lastly, it's about grace. See, it's about that grace because the Sabbath is a day of grace. You see, no one has ever got to a point of finishing the to-do list, getting to a point of performance of thinking, this is amazing, my whole life is stacked up, I deserve a day off. Now, the whole point from the very start of creation is that God ordained this day to do all of us good. Not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. It's a day of celebration of grace, a gift to you or an I of something that we don't deserve, haven't earned. That's what grace is. Don't deserve it, haven't earned it, but God loves you, God loves me, and so gives it. And therefore, because it's a day that's saturated by grace, it means that then is a day where we get to offer grace to others. Because whatever you receive, you offer. And therefore, it becomes a day where we get to offer grace to others. Now, that might be that a moment of saying, hey, I know that you've got little kids. I reckon that I could look after your little kids for like an hour in order that you can stop. Maybe that's the grace. Maybe it's that you come and you say, hey, my, my Sabbath day is this day, a Sunday. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and serve in an area. Why? Because I receive grace in order to offer grace. So it could be that, but... Maybe it's moments where it's not something planned. It's just something that happens. It's these umbrella moments where you find yourself and it's teeming with rain and you think, man, I'm glad I've got 
my umbrella. Now, some of you are thinking, you've opened an umbrella inside. <laughs> if you're thinking that, come and see me afterwards. <laughs> because genuinely, it doesn't do anything. But it's teeming with rain, and then I see other people, and it's like the umbrella moments is where you see someone else coming, and they're stood out in the pouring rain, and they haven't got an umbrella. And in that moment, if I was the kind of person who stands there just watching them going, <laughs> no coat, absolutely soaked, you'd be looking at me thinking, what kind of person are you? And I'm going to walk over and say, hey, come stand under the umbrella. See, there are some moments are umbrella moments where people come up to us, and it may be on our Sabbath day off. And in that moment, what we're presented with is someone who just needs grace. It's pouring with rain and they need rest. And in that moment, it isn't like we've got the umbrella and, hey, this is a rest day. No, no, this is a moment where we get to say, hey, just as I've received grace, I get to offer grace. Now, in that, can I say two things in terms of umbrella moments? Sometimes they need an urgent response, and so therefore it is, let's just stop what we're doing and respond to this. So I remember once having a meal with my family and the doorbell going, the door goes to the door, and there's this guy who's just incredibly drunk at the door. And he just goes, look, do I live here? And I go, no, you don't live here. And he goes, where do I live? And I said, I don't know. And in that moment, I realized that actually the family meal needs to stop because this guy needs help. So to cut a long story short, I then spend the next hour and a half finding out where he lives and taking him to his house. Why? Because there's those moments that need an urgent response. There are other moments where someone's saying it's raining, but it isn't actually raining. It's just that they feel like, hey, I'm alone on this. And those moments don't necessarily need an immediate response. They need you to say, hey, I've heard you and I will be with you. Let's plan to meet up this coming week to sort this out. Because what we've got to be careful with in this grace moment of how we allow the Sabbath to be about others is that it isn't just characterizing the whole day. Because I promise you, if it characterizes the whole day, you'll do what Paul says in Galatians, you'll grow weary of doing good. So let's not do that. I'm going to do 60 seconds on one other thing, actually. And that's that Sabbath in terms of others just isn't about witness sharing and grace. It's also about nature. I think this is a really important one because of the day and moment we're living in. See, if we're taking this day to celebrate the God who created everything and that allowing us to enjoy the creation that's around us, we'll therefore get this moment of seeing the creation. And I love going for a walk on a Sabbath. Now, for me and my family, it tends to try and be a Saturday just because of other things that are going on on a Sunday. So for us, it's a Saturday and on that Saturday, if we can get out to the Licky Hills or go down to Cannon Park, it just does us good. And I like walking through woods. Don't know why, it just does me good. And as I'm there, I start to slow down and look at the creation and think, this is good. And as I see it and think, and God, you created this. And you, not only did you create it, you then caused me as a human being to be one who now bears your image in caring for what you created. You see, Sabbath suddenly reminds me of what it means to be human. That Jesus restores us to what it means to be truly human, of those that are made in the image of God, those who are there to reveal him and take care of everything that he's created. And I just wonder whether, in those moments as we celebrate and enjoy creation, it reminds us of the narrative we get to offer in this moment.
See, at this moment, there's individuals stepping forward and doing what maybe we should have been doing, saying, hey, it isn't okay what we're doing to the planet, and it has consequences. But the danger of the narrative, the story that's being told at the moment, is it's just one of doom. I wonder if what we're going to be doing is stepping forward and saying, hey, this is part of a bigger story, a bigger story that involves the whole of humanity, of how we were originally created to be, of this loving God who created out of love, who then caused us to be the bearers of his image, to reveal his goodness and his love throughout the whole of creation, so therefore what we do matters. I wonder if that starts to impact both our actions of how we care for the planet and also the part we play in providing a different story at this moment in terms of the planet. But as I said, this is just a note. I could do a whole kind of hour on this one. But I think that's one that I think Sabbath starts to shape us in terms of how we deal not only with others in terms of people, but others in terms of the whole of creation. Therefore, where do we land? Well, I think we land like this. I'm going to hand out these now, is that Sabbath isn't about this moment. It's about how we're going to practice it together. And what we've done is we've kind of done this like handout that is for every single one of us to take. And it isn't to take in order to think, oh, that's interesting. Um, recycling. You can do that. Recycling is a good thing to do. But what my hope and desire is, is that we'd rather take it and say, okay, what does this therefore mean for me? How am I going to do this? Because it's for my good. But it's also for the good of others. And maybe it is part of us now causing the rest of society to flourish and know God's goodness, to taste and see that he is good. And so in it, what I want us to do isn't to leave like feeling like we've picked up a weight. The point of this Sabbath series isn't that we're picking up a weight that feels like it's just too hard for us to carry. And we feel like, oh man, I thought I had enough going on. Now I've got to do Sabbath. But no, it's not a weight to pick up, it's a journey to enjoy. Because I said at the very beginning, it isn't that we're there on this one. I'm not there on this one. It's rather an indication of, hey, this is where I'm heading. A weekly rhythm of a day of rest. And I'm going to give myself, and my family are giving ourselves to getting this done in order that it would do us good and do others good. And my desire is that the same would be true for you. And so to finish off with, my question is this. What is the next step you need to take? And with that, we are done.